this Pride, everyone's coming through for the Trevor Project on YouTube Shorts. Join us! Create a short showing how you're stepping up for Pride using the hashtag YouTubePrideChallenge. Come through for Pride on YouTube Shorts. Visit YouTube.com backslash Pride. Hello and welcome to the Collider Podcast. I'm Collider Senior Editor Matt Goldberg and with me is Managing Editor Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. And TV editor Liz Shannon Miller. Hello. Today we are going to be talking about Loki. The season finale aired today. So we will be talking about the whole season. Uh, This episode will be full on spoilers for Loki. So if you're not caught up, uh, you may want to back on out of this and catch up and then come on back because there is a lot to unpack. There is more to unpack with Loki than there was with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I think was like a 20 minute episode of us being like, (laughs) so what did the Flag Smashers want? I still don't (laughs) understand. But Loki, I think, you know, I'm going back and forth. I feel like the finale for Loki while it kind of, I don't want to say it stuck the landing and it kind of did the MCU thing that irks me where they're more focused on world building, like universe building and like what comes next than like just tell this story, tell this story and stick your landing and then move to the next thing. It's always like that sort of juggling, like how do we do both? And sometimes one doesn't always meet as successfully as the other. I still... Like, if you ask me, like, what my thoughts on Loki overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought, like, production design, music, acting, plotting. I think, like, it was an, it was a show that made me excited to watch it every week rather than feeling, like, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that felt more like, oh, I have to go back and watch it and maybe it'll be better this week. Whereas Loki, I was genuinely excited for what was going to come next. And I didn't know what was going to come next. Even in this final episode, like our own Vinnie Mancuso was like, yeah, it's probably Kang. All the clues point to Kang showing up. But I was like, maybe it's another Loki as like the one who's running things. Like the fact that it could still kind of be that unpredictable was something that really kept me going. Yeah, if anyone was reading my recaps over the last uh, five weeks, as epic as, as, epic as they were, uh, I think one, one recurring theme became, I have no idea what's going on, going to happen next. And I genuinely enjoyed the fact that it was completely unpredictable in this way. Did I expect uh, the finale to basically become a uh, one-act play? No, not really. Didn't see that coming. Um, I appreciated that. Uh, I always enjoy a good one-act play here and there. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was it, like you said, like actually I think, I think probably Vegas odds were very largely on another Loki being at the center of things. So yeah, I think you are, you, the fact that it was King was actually a pleasant surprise. And I think, I'm, I'm curious, like if there was, if like having all the Loki variants last week was the, was the key bit of misdirection there. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a very interesting finale. Uh, I, I feel very conflicted about the ending largely because I don't think it's an ending. And I also don't, it, I mean, I literally sat on my couch as the episode ended and I said out loud in those final moments, well, there's going to be a season two. And then they didn't make us wait too long. Thank God. And, you know, especially after that debacle with the Mandalorian the season two finale. <laughs> oh my God. Like, kill what? me now. What does that mean? Is that season how two? much, how much goddamn time did we waste that day? Just going, 
Like, okay, can we call the Boba book? Is the book of Boba Fett season three? Will someone get Disney Plus to explain, for the love of God, just tell us an actual fact about this new show, either this new show you've, you've announced or this whole other chapter for this other show? Like, it was, ah, uh, at least they were clear on this one. Yeah. Season yeah. two, how hard is that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there were two different versions or two different ways you could have gone into this finale because up until this finale, I thought the season was damn near perfect. One way is it's a limited series. The other way is there's a season two and it went the season two route. The limited series route would have been you kind of deal with the Kang of it all pretty quickly and then you get back to the thematic thread of what makes a Loki a Loki and can a Loki truly change? Uh, which Kang outright talks about. Like, I, I guess I appreciated the the meta textual level of you know you're not at the end yet. You have to go through a change, um, but we didn't really get that satisfaction, and so I think that was a little frustrating. The more I think about it, um, but overall I really enjoyed it. I just kind of, you know, I see people saying like, oh, it was 45 minutes of talking, but like that was the episode on whatever planet they were on, and that episode was brilliant. So I think it, and it ends with a huge set piece. Like you you were yeah. not hurting for set pieces in this show. Yeah, so I think it depends on what kind of talking you you want. And this was largely expository dialogue. It was Kang explaining the mythology. This is the introduction to the multiverse. Like the next thing in the MCU, the next Thanos, the next Endgame, Infinity War, whatever, is the multiverse. And this is where it started. That's what that scene was about. And I feel like that kind of hindered Loki as a show overall. That said, I'm still psyched as hell for season two. It's not like I'm like, ah, this show, or like right. it doesn't, it also, I think, speaks to the strength of the show overall that this doesn't retroactively really change my feelings on it. I still feel like it is, you know, I'll probably change my mind day to day, but it's, this is maybe my favorite show. WandaVision, I think, is a close second. My problem with WandaVision is that it devolved into a big fight at the end, which I appreciate right. that this and didn't. Exactly. And I would say like, you know, to me, that kind of gives Loki the edge. Because even though I feel like I'm a bit miffed that it's like, this is Loki's show, but it really kind of morphed into like, let's set up the multiverse. It doesn't end Loki's story. Like Loki's story continues. There will be a season two. And there's a lot to explore because like, what does Loki do next? What does Mobius do next? What does Sylvie do next? What is... Uh, is it Ravenna, Ravona? Ravana. Ravana. What does she do next? Because she's off doing her own thing now. Like there are a lot of like loose threads that I'm eager to see explored. And honestly though, I, I preferred like, you know, P yes, this episode is largely people talking in rooms. I kind of dig that because to me, if that's, if you're going to make a show about character and change rather than you know, we have to, you know, diffuse the whatever bomb, like make it like make it a conversation because ultimately like I think WandaVision was a bit underwhelmed by like, and now we're going to toss CGI blasts at each other and not really deal with the fallout in a way that feels rewarding. So that when you get to like Wanda piecing out of Westview, it's like, you know, hey, here's the whole town. You made plead for the sweet release of death. And now you're just going to fly away. And like, oh, and a character will be like, they'll never know what you gave up for them. No, no, that's not okay. Yeah, I mean, God. I mean, I think, I think it's also worth noting that we got our big uh, people yelling at a CGI cloud set piece last week. Yeah. Uh, and you know we didn't need a second one this week i'm not i'm not necessarily miffed about that i think honestly what it comes down to is 
even for a season, a first season, I, I, I feel like I was expecting a little more completion to the storytelling, especially given the fact that we do know that there's going to be a season two, but we also now know that Loki will be appearing in Doctor Strange too. That'll be his next big Marvel, uh, his next, whatever, whatever's next for that character, we're going to see it in that film. And uh, I mean, this is, you know, last night after watching the episode and I went and started writing this Loki season two post and slowly lost my mind, uh, realizing like how much of the next chapter of the MCU was really, is really connected to the, to the multiverse. Like I knew some aspects of it would be, but I totally, I mean, I knew that I knew that, you know, No Way Home was going to be bringing in Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx for delightfully bizarre reasons, but I hadn't basically put it all together until I was working on that post last night. And now that I have, like, it, it, it makes me, it makes me yearn yearn fondly for the days when I thought this was just going to be a nice little self-contained story to some degree about, you know, Loki in this situation. And I do agree with your point, a post that, I actually haven't read the post, but I agree with the uh, thesis behind it, Matt, about, you know, Loki kind of got lost in the shuffle in this episode, just because there was a lot of other stuff to lay out. Like, I I would be fascinated to, to count exactly how many lines of dialogue Tom Hiddleston had in the first 25 minutes of this episode. Because it feels like it was mostly just him reacting and saying, you know, reacting to what Kane was saying. And look, there's a flip side to this. And the flip side is, like, I certainly was among the people that bitched for the longest time, like, wait, Thanos is supposed to be the big bad of the MCU? All I've seen him do is sit in a chair. Like, that's all I've seen him do. (laughs) And it feels like if Kang is the new big bad, and it seems like that's what they're setting him up to be, then this was a marvelous introduction. This was like (laughs) the best way because not only did Jonathan Majors knock it out of the park, but he made the character new and different and unlike anyone else we've really seen before and really fascinating in his villainy and you were hooked. So if you're looking at this as like, okay, we kind of gave Loki the short shrift in his own show. However, he'll get a season two but we like, it's time to introduce Kang. Let's sort of make a splash here. I think they did that. I do think that like, you, it's hard to watch this episode and be like, I don't want to see more Kang because that's like, I, 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 this was so good. I was like, oh, like, cause I was right now they're trying to make a black Superman movie. And I had suggested like, oh, Jonathan Majors would be great. He has the great jawline. He, he seems, you know, he has that great nobility, but this seems like a way, a role to have that he can have way more fun with. Like Superman is kind of constrained in a way that Kang is clearly going to have a lot of freedom to create and uh, really flesh out the character. And I'm very excited to see where that goes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, I mean, I, I was saying this or- earlier to people that I, 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 I've always liked Jonathan Majors, but I haven't really gotten him until now. Like I understand now why he is, he has the acclaim he has. He's just, he was just, he was just so fun in this. And he really seemed to be taking every layer that he was presented with and, you know, putting it out there in ways that weren't obvious, but still were really recognizable. Um, it was it was great and I, I agree I'm actually not trying to think of like what was like the first big like Thanos scene that actually you know meant something and I'm I maybe mean, like 
maybe Guardians One. I'm I'm and that's the thing. In Guardians One, he sucks. Like in Guardians, like no, he does. Like he sits there in his little space chair and he like he's like, give me the infinity stone. And Ronan is like, no. And Thanos is like, grr, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like he sucks. <laughs> that's all he does yeah i think the marvel learned from their mistakes and also didn't want to repeat what they did before i appreciate that kang is a human um although i need you guys to explain this to me pretend i know nothing why is kang so scary like what does he want what is i mean thing? so uh, go you go i was gonna say i i i have no insight into this i actually kind of like the idea of him not being a big bad so, um, and just being like an instrumental figure in whatever's happening yeah, I would say like basically I read up like I after this this episode I was like okay, time to dive into the to the Kang Wikipedia entry. And basically his whole thing is like yeah, he wants to conquer, but his origin and they say in this episode he's from the 31st century. He has basically a genius level intellect. But I think the idea is that what makes Kang compelling is that in a weird way, Kang could be anyone. Like if you say that there are infinite versions of anyone, Kang is basically saying, yeah, there are good versions of me, but there are also bad versions of me. And we're going to unleash all the versions of everyone out and it's going to be chaos. So even uh, Kang, even as a figure, I think there's something kind of subversive there because it's not like he's leading the charge as much as he represents the chaos that is now going to sort of overrun the MCU. Yeah, and I honestly, I like the idea of a not, it's a very non-traditional villain in that sense. Like he's not, you know, there's no, he doesn't seem to have a presented goal of wealth or money or power or whatever. Uh, He just, I said wealth and money, like they aren't the same thing. Uh, (laughs) But like he, he genuinely just has, you know, he's just kind of more of a, he seems almost more like a pawn in what is a greater, a greater universal, you know, truth, uh, chaos event. Like, I'm not doing a good job of articulating no, that, I mean, but I you get my point. I mean, if you look at this introduction to him, what is his this introduction? I am a weary God. I essentially yeah. have pieced together this single timeline for the purposes of peace. And now I'm tired and I would very much like someone to take it over for me. <laughs> like there, there, some, in our Slack, I think it was again, Vinny, who's like big Ozymandias vibes. Like basically someone who's like, I thought I was repairing the world, but now I'm just kind of worn out. Please let someone else you know, do this. <laughs> Somebody else deal with it. I don't- I'm, I'm a genius, but I'm also now bored and I'm tired. <laughs> and I think, you know, honestly, like, there is sort of a kind of a writer ego stroking there. Like I can create worlds with my mind, but also I'm very tired. Please someone else do this for me. So, you know, I feel like Kang, not only do you have a great actor, you know, carrying the role, but thankfully it's different. Like, I think when you were sort of like, you know, when people were speculating like, well, who is possibly going to take over for, you know, if who will be the new big bad after Thanos? And people are like, well, maybe Galactus will be, but it's like, but Galactus just eats planets. Like, that's not that interesting. I think Kang <laughs> kind of comes, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, man's, you know, Galactus has got to eat, you know, we all got to eat, you know, I don't think that makes him such a bad guy. He's got a Does little silver, he- he's got a little guy on a surfboard that comes to your planet and being like, Galactus is going to eat your planet. Bye. <laughs> and that's, that's the I- thing that happens. I think that these Marvel shows are emblematic of the fact that I think that Marvel Studios knows what it has to do now after Avengers Endgame. I think you're right. Like a a, a thing that eats planets is 
boring and we're like now 23 24 movies in we've kind of seen it all so what's more interesting you know what if characters are their own worst enemy wandavision is is wanda dealing with her grief and kind of like grappling with herself vision literally fights himself loki is on the run with himself Falcon and the Winter Soldier is just boring. Um, <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier just barely exists. Just barely exists. Um, but I think it's that human, that character interplay. And that's not to say we're not going to see huge interplanetary beings or villains or stuff like that. I'm sure we will in some sequel to something or other. Um, but I like this kind of more human-centric, grounded approach. Uh, even in Blackwell. I was going to say, even in Black Widow, <laughs> just pretending like the third act of Black Widow didn't happen. Um, but even in Black Widow, it's a human. It's not, you know, it's not an alien. It's not a, another planet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Hawkeye show, I think, will be fun bringing uh, Florence Pugh into the fold and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It, this this kind of made me optimistic and, and hopeful for, because I was similarly at Avengers Endgame, it was kind of like, this is a tap out point. Like if you want to leave, you can go. Mm-hmm. Like this is a very good ending if you want to not watch any more Marvel movies. And if the next few Marvel movies had been kind of like, uh, you know, even something like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 where um, it's just such big spectacle or whatever. Although I like the- I love Guardians 2, man. Because it's very contained. Yeah, you're right. That was a bad example. What, like Thor the Dark World? Oh no, it's an alien or an elf or something has yeah. a thing, a doodad that he wants. Right. Um, I mean, to me, I also think the multiverse like just solves a, it, it solves problems for you. Like mm-hmm. if you're looking at this branching story, it's not just that it creates fresh conflict, but it also creates new answers because Sony is going to take Spider-Man back at some point. Like they're just yeah. going to, like that oh, deal sure. will expire. So you All need a way contract to... is done. Like that cast is done. They can re they have to renegotiate everything now. They have to... Exactly. So it's, it's, it gives you sort of an out to be like, well, why isn't Spider-Man here? Um, but also like even something as simple as Blade. Like every time I think of Blade, I think of that tweet where it's like the Marty's like, please Avengers help me. There are so many vampires. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like this one guy and he gets in charge of all the vampires. But if there's a universe that like if the if if this universe doesn't have vampires, but then there's a multiverse that does, then Blade kind of makes more sense. It's like yeah. we didn't know about all the vampires, Blade. We're sorry, we'll help you with your <laughs> vampire problem. The X-Men. This is how you get the X-Men. This is how you get the X. This yeah. is how things sort of this is how you answer a problem of, well, why didn't we know about this before? And it's that things were held together by this timeline and now it's all branched out and now we have new, and again, like that's the, you know, 20th Century Fox brings you in the X-Men. Like there are just a lot of corporate considerations that have to be addressed within the narrative of the MCU. And I think this is a, I think this is a, a good way to do it. It's then again, I'm saying all this now as if I learned nothing nothing from like oh quicksilver <laughs> when we came on wandavision i'm like oh this is how we get the x-men it's like no this is how you got to get get a guy named ralph boner <laughs> admittedly we did get ralph boner we got ralph bonered hard and i am grateful for it um so i have i have a i have a theory i want to float with you guys really quickly um which is at what point do you feel like they knew there would be a loki season two and also do you think they knew before COVID shut down production? That is an excellent question. Because I am 
slightly of the opinion, and I could be completely wrong about this. I certainly hope to have opportunities to ask this question, sort of question in the future, but uh, my, I, I feel there's a part of me in watching the last, especially the last half of the finale that kind of felt like, especially due to COVID shutting down production and making production harder on every level. Um, it made it me feel like there was a there was initially a lot more planned for the final episode, and instead it became a little more talky and it became a little more dialogue focused. And uh, they were like, "Well, let's just continue. Let's let's just wrap. Let's just keep the story going for a second season, rather than make it more of a complete series and then uh, you know." you know, kind of consider the idea of doing a second season down the line. I mean, I basically like contractually, they would have had to, you know, have stuff in place. I'm sure that I'm sure they basically just own Tom Hiddleston's, you know, soul at this point, or, you know, at least like the three year, a three year option on his soul. Um, But, you know, and so I know for all, you know, everyone involved, like has been pretty quiet about whether or not they'll be back for next time. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, it's hard to imagine them not doing a second season without some, a lot of these actors. I'm sure, you know, I imagine Owen Wilson has it in his contract that he's back, but, you know, who knows? Um, the point, th- this is this is just my question, that my rambling uh, my rambling support no, for I why think I'm it's asking a, it. It's an excellent question. I'm very curious about, you know, asking the director or the writer just when, when did this, you know, was this always intended to be more than one season? Because, you know, we're, we've come to, the, we're, we're sort of accepting simply because uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and WandaVision came first, that there is a more limited series, whereas Loki may have always been intended to be more than one. Yeah, and I mean, it, the, the way that Feige put it a couple of months ago when he was, at, when, uh, he was asked very directly about the question of, you know, you've talked about shows being one season, you've talked about shows being multiple seasons, or what, what, what defines a show that would be multiple seasons? All he said was that they're developing some shows with that in mind, but they try to take it one at a time. And that's what made the Loki season two element so surprising, which is because very much putting your hat out there and saying, we're doing the second season, y'all, uh, is kind of the opposite of that approach of the we'll put out one season and see how people like and react to it um i'm sure that if the reaction was more positive on falcon the winter soldier we'd be talking about captain america and the winter soldier coming soon but in a weird way they kind of hedged on that and they said they sort of instead of doing a series they're like well this the guy who made this series is giving you captain america four yeah which which i think is is not a bad way of doing it yeah like i cut you off no, no, I'm just saying in a weird way, that's the sequel rather than a full mm-hmm. series. It's just like, right. let's just do Captain America 4, um, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I, I am sort of wondering like, what if Loki had been very poorly received and then they would have been like, ooh, do we, you know, do we put in a second season here? But I think that they knew well enough, especially halfway through that there, there was enough positive reaction. Yeah. You know, okay, or that I, they I, had something. Yeah. I, I just realized that the the only there there's a joke I came up with uh, while we were talking about Falcon the Winter Soldier that came, was just like th- that Falcon the Winter Soldier is the ultimate example of this could have been an email 
Right. Um, which I don't want to, I, I, I want to say that I feel like the most important and valuable work that Falcon the Winter Soldier does was really examine the question of race mm-hmm. and what it means to hand a black man the captain's shield. Like that's important. That was good. That was good, good, a, a good, a good theme to explore. That was very much worth my time as a viewer. Um, it was still six episodes long and it could have been an email. Well, not, uh, not, well, not only that, but like it's, it was, I think it was a great starting point, but it's hard to say like we landed it when it's like, and then John Walker showed up with his homemade shield and helped save the day. And it's like, this dude sucks. <laughs> like he, he, like he just beat a man to death in the middle of the street. Like, but now he gets like a hero turn. Like, come on, this is some, this is some not a plus writing here. But I do, I, if I can, if I can get super nerdy with you guys for a second. No, gosh, we hate that. <laughs> um, do you think, and we'll have an answer to this in like three weeks, but do you think that what if is basically like, oh, so we have a multiverse now. So what if we just explore all these what if scenarios? Like that way they're canon, but not canon. Like it's sort of, I guess the question is, is what if part of, is, is what if a consequence of Loki or is it just a fun thing? You know, that's a really good question because I, because the thing is, is that the thing about what if is that it's been in the works for so goddamn long and yeah, animation takes time. Um, you know, there's no denying that, but the fact remains that, uh, you know, they could have released it a lot sooner. And I'd like to believe that fans that that even the casual fans like even like you know my aunt would watch a would watch an episode of a what if and be in not being marvel stat marvel savvy would still be like oh i can't i can't okay i get it it's an alternate it's a different it's a different you know alternate universe take on the story it's like it's like it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. um you know we still have like you know that that's not like a unique storytelling concept but the idea of what if being being somehow actually canon as a result of all this is actually is actually really fun to consider i don't know enough about the watcher to know like how that works or anything i mean the watcher just seems to be sort of a framing device essentially he sees all timelines all realities and everything but he can't interfere with them so it's basically like i'm going to tell you a story about like you know the time in this reality where peggy carter became captain carter and that's speaking yeah. of that i saw some rumor on some bullshit website that was like peggy carter is playing captain carter in i think it was doctor strange 2 or something and i was like that's stupid and fake but now i'm like huh <laughs> what if <laughs> what, what if, if what indeed what if what but, if by the way did you see um do you see the i think it was on wikipedia the comparison to um the comparison to of, of the watcher to um, a casual YouTube viewer watching a video of Pizza Rat. <laughs> yes, it's great. It's just like he, he like the watcher's relationship to the uh, to to humanity is our relationship to Pizza Rat. We're just really impressed that Rat can pull that pizza up those subway steps. I want it like the narration. I can't. I cannot get involved. I will not get involved as the pizza rat pulls the pizza. <laughs> I miss you, pizza rat. Yes. That, um, that was a good, that was a good thing. A good internet thing. <laughs> but it's crazy to sort of be like, in, in a weird way, it feels like 
the MCU is sort of in this weird, and I, I know that this sort of turned out this way partially because of like COVID delays, but it's certainly, it's currently in this framework of like one for, one for, one for them, one for me, <laughs> one for them, one for like, you get a normal one and then you get a weird one. So it's like WandaVision's your weird one, Captain America and the Winter, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier's your normal one, Loki's a weird one, What If is sort of in this weird sort of, I guess that's a weird one, but it's also kind of not because it's animated and it's, literally called what if um but then like shang chi and the legend of the ten rings is a normal one relatively i mean it's it seems well i would, I would say so... that black widow black widow is your normal one black widow is your normal one thank you i keep forget it's not great that i keep i've already forgotten that black widow exists but then like eternals is your weird one and I, I don't know it just it keep like the, the fact that we're sort of switching back and forth the i like that i like that like and the fact of the matter is, is that they're coming, these series are coming so frequently now. Like you're not having to wait more than six weeks. It's like three to six weeks. It's like, oh, on to the next Marvel thing, which I don't hate. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I should be more jaded about Marvel stuff, but whenever a new one comes along, I'm like, all right, let's, let's see what it does. This'll, this could be entertaining. And like, it's not always great, but at least it's usually interesting and engaging in a way that makes me care like i didn't think falcon and the winter soldier was any great shakes but i was like at least interested in it in a way that i was not particularly interested with like i don't know i thought shazam was fun but i could not really tell you anything about shazam well i think what's so interesting about the mcu in general and i think it's something you're identifying in in, in, in that breakdown of weird versus you know more straightforward is that when the mcu gets weird it actually leads itself to some of the best of the mcu like i think i think you know i think there's like you know certainly certainly like your big tentpole avengers films like are pretty straightforward as a rule but they also include things like bucky barnes swinging around rocket raccoon with a machine gun like you know there's plenty of weirdness opportunities within those things and uh in general like you know the the, the times when 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 kevin feige really puts his trust in some of the weirdos he allows to create for him those are the times we get things like thor ragnarok and the first guardians movie and all of the things that have really been a huge factor in making this franchise feel alive and vibrant like you know if i don't think that it'd be really i i i, I would need i should I should basically say this after having studied the full lineup of all 24 movies or something, but I don't think, I don't know if we're still talking about the MCU in this way, if guardians hadn't premiered when it did and really added some new life to the, to the, to the whole franchise. Like I think by being allowed to get a little strange with that one, I think that it really kind of invigorated the MCU as a whole. Absolutely. It showed that audiences were willing to, to take a leap. That's and, the key. And, and, and is and that not, it? So good. Well, I'm sorry. And not just take a leap, but take a leap like on like the strength of the Marvel brand. It was basically like that first poster was from the people that brought you Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Avengers. You're welcome. Like that was the poster. And it was like, this is what Marvel is selling you more than any one person. And it's going to be weird. And people are like, well, I have enough trust now in this brand that I'm going to take the leap and they were rewarded for it because Guardians is fun. Yeah. For the record, by the way, I don't necessarily love the fact that James Gunn has used this as an opportunity to be, to even more inflate his own sense of ego, which was never small to begin with. <laughs> uh, 
I am glad I'm not the only one who feels that way about James. <laughs> well, it's just like, I mean, it's, I mean, it rankles me. I mean, it's kind of hard to forgive him for the way he treated Nicole Perlman. Like I, that was, that was very icky. There was no reason for him to do everything humanly possible to shut her out of that film. Like, yeah. and, it, and a bigger man would not, would have the balls to let share the credit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it. Like I, I, I get it that, you know, you know, she picked it up for, for out of the Marvel, you know, writers program and develop, you know, and then he completely changed it. But again, there's no harm in saying this person, you know, got the ball rolling. Yeah. Way, you know, in a way that I did not. Yes. By the way, I apologize for talking at all about James Gunn's balls. They're <laughs> metaphorical. Th- thank you for, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking um, of which... <laughs> I am curious to see how these next, so this was, I believe, yeah, this was the final Marvel TV show uh, for which a single director directed all the episodes. For reasons unknown, they changed track. And Kevin Feige mentioned something about how them learning something. And I wonder, huh. if it was, I don't know what, on what show I they mean- learned. But these next few shows, the directors are shared. And it's interesting because they have been, talking up this idea that like the director they're like these shows are director driven and you know even michael waldron talked about like he's the head writer he created the show and then he handed it off to kate and kate like brought it home yeah. kate was the one who saw that vision through how does that work when you have directing teams i mean hawkeye is uh burton birdie who did troop zero and then reese thomas who did documentary now um ms marvel has one two three four different directors um, I mean, I think it's going to, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, even the, the movies by this point are sort of like writers by committee. You know, mm-hmm. you have like six credited writers on a Marvel film. Yeah. And sometimes and even then well. you're, you're hearing that like Nicole Holofson or uncreditedly wrote yeah. <laughs> one of the best part or one of the more interesting parts. One of the core controversial moments of the film. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, even within the world of TV, uh, even with even with shows that have multiple directors, there is a long precedent for having what's referred to as the directing producer. Yeah, yeah. and so um, this isn't a perfect example, uh, but like Mimi Leader uh, was an executive producer on The Leftovers. She did not direct every episode of The Leftovers, but she was very instrumental in kind of guiding guiding its directorial voice. And so even though she didn't direct every episode, she was very involved with the hiring of directors and all that. There are a num- I've talked to other directors who have done similar things. And it, I think the, the key isn't whether or not the director is driving. It, it's basically, it's, 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 if the director isn't driving the show, the question is who is driving? Yeah. Because if, um, I, I mean, if, if like you say, those, you know, if like Hawkeye, if Hawkeye or Miss Marvel um, don't have a don't have a key director, but also don't have a showrunner, then it's basically the Feige show, or you know who knows what's it, going and, on. And that's the thing: and is it even the Feige show? Because yeah, he is you know Mister Marvel, but he's also now kind of Mister Star Wars. Like he's involved, he's doing Star Wars stuff as well. He's his have portfolio- we seen any any of his Star Wars stuff though? I'm pretty sure we haven't. We haven't seen it. Not yet. He's in, it's all in the works. But I know that he loves Star Wars. Right. Um, And he's also got movies. He can't be on set of everything. Right. In the case of Ms. Marvel. And 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 I would also just quick shout out to like all the other producers, like, you know, Victoria Alonso, Nate Moore. Like there's like a whole crew of Marvel producers that also. Oh yeah. 
kind of like our lieutenants to yeah. to Feige. But I'm curious if because there was so much hubbub over like the showrunner versus the head writer versus director. Um, in the case of Ms. Marvel, Bisha K. Ali is the showrunner slash head writer. I don't know what you want to call them. Are they? Uh, they oh, so they're actually calling her the showrunner. That's what I have. That's what I have here. I don't. I can't remember if they officially changed it to head writer. Because for a little while, like they were referring to Jack Jack Schaefer as the WandaVision showrunner. Yeah. And then, and then the language on that changed. And the same thing with Malcolm Spellman on Falcon. But Bishke Ali comes from Loki. Uh, they right. worked in the Loki writer's room. So maybe they decided, you know, it's more beneficial for us to have the writer running the show versus the director running the show. Maybe that's a decision it's, they made. They. It's know, almost as if that. the format that has been working, the structure that's been really working really well for television for the last 50 something years has some value. <laughs> maybe Although Marvel doesn't know. need to reinvent it. I don't know that, I mean, I don't know though. Cause like, I think Loki is spectacular and it's very clear that, you know, Michael Waldron even had to hand off the head writer duties at a certain point. He had to go write Dr. Strange. So as they entered right. production, he had essentially a Lieutenant to be the, like the onset, you know, head writer. So like that's, it feels, Loki feels like this marriage between Kate and Michael, um, Loki, but Kate no. is kind of in the driver's seat. No, I totally agree with you. I think the thing is, is that, um, I think Loki really worked because everyone involved seemed to be on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have, I, I have nothing to verify this, but we have not heard similar love stories about oh, Falcon, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And I would, I would, my guess would be that when everyone's on the same page, when everyone is compatible and working hard together, that the, the head writer handoff system works, especially even if the, hand, the head writer can't be on set for the actual production of the show. That being said, you know, the showrunner system works in situations where people aren't on the same page. And I think that can, you know, it, it's created to, you know, basically, it's basically, it basically creates a hierarchy that simplifies a lot of, you know, debates and discussions. And I could see that I have nothing to verify this again. This is all pure speculation on my part. But if there were production issues on a show and there wasn't a clear showrunner, I could see that being a factor. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it all kind of shakes out, especially as the year progresses. And the thing is, is like we're getting so much Marvel stuff that this, these questions will kind of be answered in relatively short order. Like a year from now, we're going to have an answer on this stuff, you know, when because we'll have seen... Hawkeye and Miss Marvel and what if and maybe you know who know who knows when She Hulk and um, other shows are coming down the pipeline but they're on their way and even yeah. sooner I mean Moon Knight is in production She Hulk is in production um, I think Secret Invasion that's probably the next big event but like how does that fit into the multiverse idea I'm excited to see what the hell they're doing in Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange in particular, because it was like, we've seen no set photos. There was really not much cast. Like, it's like, yeah, these they haven't, yeah, they haven't really announced anything about yeah. it. They've announced the yeah. bare minimum. It's like Sam Raimi is directing. Yeah. Okay. And, and, uh, it, is, in it, and some of the people from the first movie, but that, it's not like, you know, this person is playing this character from the comics. As opposed to like, I know everyone in Kenobi. <laughs> I know why though. I know why. It's the multiverse, so it's just Benedict Cumberbatch and various facial hair formations. It's, just, Benedict, it's just a bunch of Benedict <laughs> Cumberbatches. What if it's just, just like yeah, it's, it, playing off each it, other? It, it, it's, it's Benedict Cumberbatch from Atonement, everybody. 
<laughs> the key is you have to bite it. It's Benedict Cumberbatch from Brexit. It's Benedict Cumberbatch from The Imitation Game. They're all surly men. <laughs> I just got an awful flash to the CG-filled world of Oz the Great and Powerful. <laughs> just uh, Sam Raimi just putting Benedict Cumberbatch in various scenarios with a green screen. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> a one, a, a, a f- kind of a follow-up question on that. Um, I've been speculating about this. I, I, I put my speculation in my season two piece, but where do you, if you guys were to, if you got, if, if we were to create like a sandwich bet on when we think the next season of Loki will premiere, what would you, what would you, what would you bet a sandwich on? Uh, I would bet a sandwich on 2024. 2024, big month, big money on that sandwich. I mean, what about you, Adam? Uh, fall of 2022. It's pretty fair. Yeah, I'm thinking there's... spring of 2023. All right. Good. But where, where, why do you think fall of 2022? I think it depends. Well, spring of 2023 would work as well. But it depends on how hungry Kevin Feige is for Emmys. Mm. I think it, like a lot of, like I think the WandaVision will be like, a, ooh, that's nice. <laughs> Could we do more of that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Could we get 23 Emmy nominations? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, lo- the first season will be eligible next year, so I guess there's no rush next year. There's already on the Wikipedia page. There's it's sourced to production weekly, so you know, take of it what you will. Um, but the filming is scheduled to begin in January of 2022 already. All right. First season. Why? Why do you think 2024, Matt? I just think it has to get in line. I think like the thing is, is like if you look at it as like this is all a big story of like things that are happening, then you have to sort of be like, okay, well, all these other Marvel things have their release dates. So how do you fit into that? And I don't know, it took three years to get it the first season done. I Mm -hmm. can see 2023, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic in 2024. I just just think you have to be the one to tell Vinny that he's not going to get Owen Wilson on a jet ski until then. I'll, I'll do it i'll do it if i have to <laughs> well it is worth noting february of 2023 is ant-man 3 and that's where kang is supposed to be or pop the big up next. one so you could be right it could be after after that um i think it just kind of it depends on how this multiverse thing shakes mm-hmm. out i mean i wrote when i was writing about it it was like you know season two of loki could look vastly different depending on what happens in the mcu in the interim like it's probably not going to pick up right where it left off because we're you know we got to deal with the multiverse of madness and the Spider-Man multiverse. And yet in a weird way, I feel Loki is, is oddly stable because it takes yeah. place outside of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's yeah, true. That all is... this shit could happen. It could pick up immediately where it left off. And right. Be like, you saw all that. Hasn't happened yet. Or it has happened. Who knows? Well, they can that move it... through time, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. That is a nice aspect of it. Like, like it, it has been the least stressful aspect of watching the show is trying to keep it, keep it, keep in mind where it lands in terms of the timeline. The only, the only big hurdle to that is just remember, reminding yourself constantly, this is a different, a different Loki than the Loki we've seen in the past few movies. This is uh, Avengers era Loki. It's not only a different Loki, it's now a different Mobius and a different uh, uh, soldier, Hunter B-15. Hunter B-15. Yeah. Too many. Indeed. Too many variants, folks. It's coming. Yep. If Hunter B fifteen B. All right. So, is there anything more to say about Loki, or should we move on to recently watched? Not good. All right. Well, uh, Liz, what have you seen lately that you'd like to share? 
Well, um, I don't know if you guys have heard this film called Black Widow. Matt, this might be a new one for you. I, <laughs> um, I, I, oh, all right. Well, go on. I'm curious. <laughs> Um, no, I saw, I went, I was like, last night, I knew I was staying up until midnight. So I was like, what can I do to kill the time between then and now? And uh, I went and saw Black Widow again uh, at my local, at my local AMC. And uh, it was, it, it held up surprisingly well for a second time. I, I, I feel like sometimes I'll watch a Marvel movie and for, for the second or third time and be like, oh, okay, I don't really care about this set piece or anything. But I really was hooked the whole way through, even knowing what was going to happen, having seen it pretty recently. And a huge factor in that was Florence Pugh's performance. Like, it's just, not only is she so watchable, but she's so rewatchable because everything she's doing is so interesting and so unconventional in terms of what we're used to at the Marvel Universe. So I... I, I highly recommend giving that film a second watch if you've only watched it once. Uh, and uh, especially, and also just really appreciating, um, and this is a very girl-oriented thing, but ladies with long hair know, uh, you can barely move sometimes with long hair. And it's always nice to see an action movie where the women are allowed to put their hair back or up or in braids or just out of their goddamn face. Have, it is not easy to roundhouse kick somebody in the face if you've got hair in your room. Um, that is, which a fact I know very well, of course. But the point is, is that uh, Black Widow has some ex- people. <laughs> always roundhousing people. It's how I make my points. Uh, but the uh, it's it's very nice to see a movie featuring women that was clearly clearly thinking about the fact that yeah, if you're a woman, if you're a super soldier, super spy, you're going to want some hair out of your your hair out of your way uh so that that that's mine i i i'm i'm pro black widow good to know all right uh adam what have you seen lately uh i don't know why but i decided to rewatch star trek beyond uh this past weekend which was fine um (laughs) (laughs) it's fine i still think that movie is fine uh as not a huge star trek fan um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, you know, the thing that we've all been obsessing over recently, which is I think you should leave season two. Um, it's just incredible. I, I don't want to be around anymore. <laughs> it's just wonderful, wonderful sketch comedy from the mind of Tim Robinson. Uh, and I have been finding uh, much joy in watching and rewatching that. I I started watching it casually uh, while working on something. And then I had to stop doing that because of cough and flop like right away i was like nope not a co-working show must pay my full attention to coffin yes. flop yes a they second people God. started talking about coffin flop i was like what what is this and i watched the first episode and i was i, I couldn't breathe i was laughing so hard all right uh, for me I, i'm going to talk about uh, a film i recently watched on criterion as part of their art house animation block uh, belladonna of sadness which is a 1973 Japanese film based on a French novel. And it's about these, uh, about this woman, Jeanne, uh, Jean, I guess, and her, her lover, her, her betrothed, her husband, John, and they live happily and everything's going great. And then the feudal Lord is like, invokes, pre, pre, invokes, don't, don't joke, man. You don't want to <laughs> joke on this one. Cause you, you, you don't know where it's going. He invokes prima nocta um so jean gets raped and so you know her and then like their lives just get worse and in order to sort of 
kind of pull out of the spiral, Jean makes a deal with the devil who looks sure. like a penis. Sure. And like, as one does, like, it's a very, it's very 1970s in that it's like, the animation is gorgeous, but it's also very psychedelic. It's very erotic. Um, just this weird sort of psychosexual stew. Uh, but it's oddly captivating. It's just, it's very weird because basically it's this, you know, as as Jean, as her life kind of gets worse and she keeps making these deals with the devil and selling her soul. And every time she sells her soul, there usually involves having sex with the devil. You know, just fun for the whole family, really, uh, in Belladonna of sadness. Um, but it's it's still a fascinating film. Um, I, you know, as, as in ter- especially in terms of, you know, sort of the Japanese, you know, animation style, telling a Western story um, and the anim- the way it uses animation is, is pretty striking. It's not just anime. Um, it's, it's sort of, it's different than that. Um, so if you're in, if you're, if you're, if you want a very weird movie to watch um, and you've got Criterion Channel, maybe check out Belladonna of Sadness, he said with a shrug. Uh, all right. I feel like I know people who would who would want to watch that. Yeah, I, it it's for some folks. I was I was captivated, but I was not bored watching it. Um, so if you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Liz, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Lizlet. That's L I Z L E T. And Adam, where can we find you on Twitter? At Adam Chitwood. And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but if you send Adam enough tweets asking him to watch Space Jam A New Legacy, maybe we'll talk about Space Jam A New Legacy. So just Do it. Uh, you know, Waste your time. Enjoy send, wasting your time. Send those tweets to Adam Chitwood saying you have to watch Space Jam A New Legacy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hear everyone. the granny raps. Uh, no, Porky Pig raps. Oh, that's right. Porky Pig raps to, you know, relate to the kids. Oh, Lord. Space Jam, a new legacy. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's all, folks. 